Now back to the show. Sh- sh- Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. It's Chicago's College Tailgate, presented by Twin Peaks. Tyler Rocky and Shay Norling talking college football with you every single Saturday here from 9 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 1000. If you miss anything, check it out on the Chicago's College ta- Tailgate podcast. And don't forget, every single Monday, Shay and I break down the weekend of college football. We get you all your recaps, so that way we can dive into everything going on the week of and the week into the college football scene with yeah. you on Saturday. So check it's, it out, uh, the CCT podcast. It's Chicago's College Tailgate Unhinged. It pretty much is, yeah. You get uh, you get Rowdy Shea on that, that show. You get re- revved up Shea. I well, mean, you get reactionary Shea. You catch, me on, you catch me on a Monday after I've spent a weekend betting 20 college football games. I'm probably angry about something. <laughs> Today I'm in a very good mood. I'm, I'm happy. I'm awake. I'm good to go. Uh Mondays, you had typically, some Tim today I've too? got some angst. Yeah, I, I hit Tim Hortons. Love being in a border state. Oh, have a got Tim the, uh, for me. Got the triple triple. Uh, they did screw up my food order completely. Got me nothing even close to what I ordered. So that was a good reminder of what we got with Tim Hortons. But the triple triple hit the spot. That saved my life this morning. All right, let's get into the college football playoff. All right, we're getting our first batch of rankings. This Tuesday, can't wait for it. I love the college football playoff reveal shows. I think they should start it a little bit earlier, but that's neither here nor there. Um, For you, going into this, which team is most intriguing to see where the committee ranks them? Because we do oftentimes see a bit of a shuffle between the coaches poll, the AP poll, and what the college football playoff committee really thinks. How could it be any team other than Michigan? How could like that's by far the team I'm most intrigued to see what they do with because based on what people are writing about the college football playoff committee and how they evaluate the criteria of ranking these teams, there was somebody on the committee who said we will take into account everything that happens both on and off mm-hmm. the field. Is there a chance Michigan's outside the top six? Is there a chance Michigan's one? Like. I want to see what the committee thinks of what's going on in Ann Arbor with the cheating scandal. I think that's, Tyler, we're not going to hear from the NCAA on this this year, I don't think. It's highly unlikely to me that the Big Ten ten steps in and punishes them, though they could. The CFP is the one body that I don't have any idea what they're going to do. And Michigan's athletic director is on the CFB committee. How can he be in the room? Here's what I'm contemplating though with it because like yes michigan is fascinating to me but what really can the cfp committee do without there being findings without there being an official ruling right you're i don't think you can punish off of allegations well it's now the washington post article we kind of have the evidence they have the computer drives they have the documents listing the schedule detailed schedules they have i'm sure they'll have access to all of the evidence if the ncaa has it they have the budget for the scouting. They have which scouts were scheduled to attend games. They have the tickets purchased. I'm just really fascinated to see what the CFP committee decides to do with Michigan. That, to me, is by far the most intriguing ranking. I think Michigan. I don't think we'll see it reflected this week. 
I really don't. I kind of feel that way, too. I think there's a good chance Michigan's number one this week. I was going to say, I think there's a better chance we see them number one than out of the... Well, listen, if if you're going to penalize them, they can't even be in your top 25. Like, Yeah, I agree. It's They're either in the top two <laughs> Can or you they're imagine? Out. Can you imagine Tuesday night we're watching Reese Davis break this thing down and they go through the top 25 and there's no Michigan? Yeah, I don't think you can be in the middle on this. I don't think you can put a contingency in there of put them at three or four. Because, like, if you look on their body of work this year, they're the number one team in the country in my eyes. But if you factor in, okay, maybe there's some outside stuff that have impacted their performance this year. I don't think you can teeter on, oh, let's put them in the three to six range. No, you can't do that. It's either they're number one, I could see number two, but they're top two or they're out of it. There's no in-between for me. Them being out of it would be the single greatest moment of my life. (laughs) But Tyler would tell us everything we need to know. If Michigan is somehow unranked this week, they're done. That'll be all. Jim Harbaugh's leaving. Punishments are coming down. That would be the signal flare that... This is serious. I, I can't envision a world where that happens. Yeah. I just I can't picture an 8-0 Michigan not ranked in the CFP rankings when they come out. I'm with you. I think most likely they're number one, maybe number two. I feel like the committee sees what we see with Georgia and just puts Michigan one. But I'm fascinated to see what they decide to do. That'll be interesting, too, because don't they, they always have the, the interview after with the head of the committee talking to the, the breakdown. And you know the Michigan question is going to be asked yep. if they are one or two. Like, how is the committee? And I think that's going to be the most intriguing answer of it all. For me, the most fascinating team that I'm looking for, actually, I've got two that are kind of 1A and 1B for me here. But it's Washington and Oklahoma. Because right now, those teams are 5 and 6. But they have headliner wins. And they've got wins that I think are bigger than some of the other teams that are ahead of them right now. I think there's a case for both Washington and Oklahoma to be ahead of almost everyone that's ahead of them in the AP poll right now. So how Washington and Oklahoma shake out, I think, could be the biggest sort of switch. We may see a Washington team that ends up being number three or maybe even, dare I say, number two if they go out and put up a good performance this weekend against Stanford. I think the same can be said about Oklahoma. If they go and thump Kansas this week on the road with their body of work and with the victory over Texas, I think there's a very good chance we could see both or at least one of Washington or Oklahoma in the the top four if everything's sort of equal among the top six teams this weekend. I'm not telling you they're the best team in the country. I don't think they are. But is there a chance we see Ohio State at one? You have the Notre Dame win on the road late hostile Mm -hmm. place, final drive, you get the win, 10 men on the field, we know, but the result is the result. And then last week, the defensive performance against Penn State was outstanding. They've looked phenomenal on that side of the ball all season. Two marquee wins that they can hang up as good as anyone, if not better than anyone else in the country, at Notre Dame and then home against number 7 Penn State. They could drop a bomb in Madison on Wisconsin today. Could Ohio State be one? Like, they're another one that I look at, and I don't know what you do with them. Because, Tyler, they don't look like the best team in the country, but they have the resume that's as good as anyone. It's the shaky offense. And I wonder how we're going to be looking at, because you look at a lot of these top teams, they are defensively run. I mean, Michigan has, has just put 50 burgers on everyone, it feels like. But obviously there's the cloud hanging over in Ann Arbor right now. But 
Ohio State, like the defense is top five level good. You could even maybe say it's the best in the country. But the fact that the offense has just been so shaky, even though it has the names on it, I could see a world where Ohio State is one, but it's not the world that I currently live in. Can I offer this, and it might be a hot take, I would be surprised if the CFP ranks Georgia one. I'm with you. No, I'm with you on that. I, the, They have no resume. Yeah. The, none. The Kentucky win doesn't look as good as it did. They just, to me, they've looked flat all season. I think the committee's watching the games as much as we are. They've looked flat all year. The defense doesn't feel like the same Georgia defense. No Brock Bowers. The offense hasn't looked spectacular at any point this season, really. Auburn gave him so much trouble on the road. They have no resume. They're not pl- uh, like pumping teams the way Michigan is. They don't have the wins Ohio State has. They don't have the win Washington has. They don't have the win Oklahoma has. They I don't even have the su- win like Texas has. And we know historically the CFP really cares about what your resume looks like. They care about who you play. They care about when you play them. They care about the ranking when you play them. They really value the resume. I would be surprised if Georgia's ranked one on Tuesday night. If we throw out preconceived notions and preseason expectations and just solely base it on your 2023 resumes, which it should be on at this point in the season in week nine, Georgia's what, six? That's what makes the CFP so great when they actually come out and rank these Because they're not afraid to do it. They're working exclusively off of what happened this season. They don't give a rat's ass what you did in 2022, what you did in 2021. They don't care what the coaches think. They don't care what the media thinks. They're working on what they've seen and what the resumes say in 2023. And I'm with you, man. I don't think there's a world where you can rank Georgia 1 based on resume. So I'm looking to at... Just the the way that the top six could shake out as well. Like, I really could see, like, Georgia slipping down. Now, if they go out, let's say they win by by 28 against Florida. What do you do with them then? It's neutral site. It's an unranked Florida team. You're a two-touchdown favorite. It feels like you just took care of business, right? Like, I don't know that there's anything they can do other than, like, a 63 to 3 beatdown that people would go, oh, yeah, that's for sure the number one team in America. I feel like they're kind of in a lose lose scenario this week. If they lose to Florida, they're dead. Mm-hmm. They're outside and if the top they, six, then. If they beat Florida and it's convincing, you kind of just did what you were supposed to do. I don't think it improves the resume at all. Like, Tyler, they're a two touchdown favorite in the game. They're supposed to beat Florida's ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know that they can really improve the resume. I think they can badly damage it. That's it. Yeah, I, I think if you're including Michigan, if Michigan's going to be a part of this, Michigan is your number one team. I think that's followed by, I think we'll see them followed by Georgia. Um, I agree. I, I don't think we're going to see Georgia dip below because like it, there is still some credit that needs to be handed out. Like They've taken care of business, albeit maybe not in the most impressive of fashion, but they've taken care of business. Florida State... Will will be your number, th- or I, I'm sorry, Ohio State will be your number three, and then I think the sh- the shake between Florida State, Washington, and Oklahoma is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I'm interested to see which of those teams ends up on the outside. Uh, Florida State's still hanging a lot on the LSU win, big win, new, early in the year, neutral site night game. 
LSU's looking the part again. They have a quarterback who's flying up the Heisman rankings. They're still in contention to win the SEC. I feel like the committee will value that also because a lot of these teams didn't play anybody. Like, just having the balls to play that game adds a lot of points to what you've done. They have the Clemson win on the road. We know that there was kicker error that created it, but the result is the result. Like, if I'm ranking it tomorrow or Tuesday, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. I'd have Michigan 1, I'd have Ohio State 2, I'd have Georgia 3, I'd have Florida State 4, and I'd have Washington and Oklahoma outside looking in. I would go Michigan 1, Georgia 2, Ohio State 3, and then Washington as my 4. That's what I'm rolling with. I, I, it's hard to argue. I can't argue. Like, with you know what the takeaway is this year? We need the 12-team playoff this year. Yeah, they, they, I, it would have been awesome this year. Because you look at the added teams that you would get into this thing. Like, the, there's a place, and there's a... Listen, like, you go top to bottom here. Could Penn State maybe hang with the Georgia? I'm not saying that they would win the game, but could it be a one-possession game or, like, a 10-point game? Yeah, I think it totally could. I mean, you get Alabama, you get Oregon, you get Texas, you get Oregon State, a really mm-hmm. good Oregon State team. You get maybe, Ole Miss, maybe, maybe you get Utah. LSU could find their way into a 12-team playoff yeah, this year. And like, that's are, a team that could take down number one. And I've been anti-playoff expansion basically forever. I didn't even like when it moved from two to four. I thought it should stay at four. But this season, man, this year deserves a 12-team playoff. It's the first time I've been able to say that. We've talked about it. I think the NIL and the transfer portal have leveled the playing field for a lot of these teams that we actually have parity between the elites in college football. There will always be haves and have-nots, and those will always be blowouts. But I think when we're talking about the top teams in America, we actually have some parity now. Uh, I would love a 12-team playoff this year, and I'm actually optimistic that the 12-team playoff won't just be 30-point spreads and blowouts in the opening rounds. Real quick, before we talk some Heisman stuff, your most entertaining four teams. If you could craft a four-team, in no particular order, but give me the four-team playoff that you're locked in start to finish every single game. Uh, it would be, I th- honestly, I'd go two conference here. I would go Michigan, Washington, Oregon, and Ohio State. Uh, that's my exact four also. I love watching Ohio State defensively. I know the de- the offense has been a chore, but the defense has been a thrill to watch. Michigan, I just, for pure entertainment factor, if they go out in the playoff and get bombed again in a bowl game, it would be a dream scenario for me. I'd have Michigan-Ohio State play in the first round mm-hmm. and a Washington-Oregon maybe trilogy game in the second round <laughs> or in the I, first round as well. So you know, it, that's how I would match them up. I think that would be a thrill to watch. And yeah, those are my exact fours right there. And then my outside looking in, I would have Florida State and Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm with you. Florida State, Oklahoma may be a little questionable. I, dude, that, that UCF game scared me on Oklahoma uh, quite a bit. We'll see what happens with Kansas today. But I'm with you on, on most of that. Washington – and Oregon to me. That game, there hasn't been a game like that in years. Yeah. All right, when we come back, we will handicap the Heisman race right now. Some interesting developments to get to. We'll do all that when we return on Chicago's College Tailgate. Shay and Tyler. Tyler. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. 
Chicago's football game day starts with Chicago's College Tailgate. From red shirts to mascots to your school's alma mater, Chicago's College Tailgate has it all. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Time to break down the Heisman race here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling, and Shay, we have a new favorite in the Heisman race after a absolute disaster showing from Michael Penix Jr. last yeah, week. No boy. touchdowns. The The defense scored the only touchdown in that game, but uh, Michael Penix Jr., no longer your favorite. He was minus money a week ago. He's now 3-1. to one. J.J. McCarthy is the new man in the driver's seat at plus 250. Penix is tied with Jaden Daniels of LSU at 3-1. to one. And then if you go a little bit deeper down the board, Bo Nix and Jordan Travis and Dylan Gabriel each at 12-1. to one. Then we see a position player enter the fold here, Marvin Harrison Jr. at 20-1 to one after, I mean, he put on a master class last week against Penn State, caught the touchdown late in the game, also drew a big penalty as well um, that would have really shifted the game. It was a scoop and score for Penn State, but because of the hold on Marvin Harrison Jr. uh, by the defense there of Penn State, that ultimately wiped the touchdown off the board. Then if you go a little bit deeper, I don't think any of these guys have a chance really, but Carson Beck, 30-1, to Drake May, 50-1, to Jalen Milrow, 100-1, to Caleb Williams, the preseason favorite, is 100-1 to now as are Sam Hartman and Kyle McCord. Kind of feels a little unfair to Caleb being at 100 to 1 right now. I don't think that's the true price. Like, he still has some amazing numbers. I know he's struggled the last two weeks, but. What are we doing? They got two losses, two straight losses. Caleb has not looked good in those games. But still a chance to to win the Pac-12. He would have to win the Pac-12 and put up historic numbers doing it to have even an outside shot. They are currently second in the Pac-12, and he he's putting together... Yeah, but we know they're dead, man. I, they still got to go to Eugene. I'm just saying, he's not in the Kyle McCord, Jalen Milrow, Sam Hartman. No, how Kyle like, McCord's even listed, I don't understand. Uh, you, I don't know how you even get a price that's relevant for him. He's been bad. Yeah, the offense been has been bad. Mm-hmm. Um the J.J. McCarthy favorite thing, if you just look at where the teams are at today and the numbers that quarterbacks have put up, J.J. McCarthy simply cannot be the favorite. This is a price where the market's basically telling you they're going to beat Ohio State, they're going to beat Penn State, they're going to win the Big Ten, and J.J. McCarthy's the quarterback He's of the undefeated for the ride. Big Ten champ. Yeah. Like, that's what the number's telling you. And I don't think it's one you can really ever bet now. If you bet it two weeks ago, wash your hands. Good for you. I'm very happy for you. But I still don't view him as the likeliest winner. Yeah, he's 33rd in passing yards right now, 10th in touchdowns. And I get he doesn't play the full games here, but uh, a lot of that but team is also, predicated on running, too, and the defense has been fantastic. And not playing the full games, I'm sorry, we don't get to give you phantom stats to say you'd be better if you played the full games. You have to play. Like, Jaden Daniels has much better stats. Michael Penix has put up bigger numbers. Bo Nix has put up bigger numbers. Like, if Bo Nix had that win at Washington, he's the favorite today and the likeliest winner. Like, I got Bo Nix. I got involved, I told you, after Mm -hmm. Oregon lost that game, 35-1 to on Bo Nix to win the Heisman. 12-1 to today. Like, these odds shift so much, you have to consider 
betting not what's happened but what's going to happen. This is the first time all year, Tyler, I've seen the odds reflect an assumption of what will happen rather than what has already happened with J.J. as the favorite. Yeah, I'm with you there. And listen, the the J.J. McCarthy thing, with the, the sign-stealing scandal that is currently clouding Michigan right now, how does that play into J.J.'s Heisman? It, it certainly cannot help him. And you'd imagine that there's a number of people that look at that and say, you know what, for that reason, I know he's the quarterback of the most impressive team in college football this year, and he's put up some decent numbers. But for the reason of the the scandal right now, I can't vote for J.J. McCarthy. I think that's going to be a bit of a factor. This is a media award. I mean, we know media people won't put Barry Bonds, the best player I've ever seen play baseball in the Hall of Fame, how can you vote J.J. McCarthy Heisman? Some of these older college football guys might leave him off the ballot because the results have come into question. And he hasn't been good in the first half of games. Like, this whole thing where non-conference he was terrible into most efficient passer ever, especially in third quarters, it, it just, how do you ballot him? If you're somebody who values the cheating, if you don't think the cheating's a big deal, then you ballot him and you probably put him number one. Right. I when you see it all shaking out here, I I think it's going to come down to one of the Pac-12 quarterbacks. I think it's going to yep. ultimately come down to Penix or Bo Nix. I could see Dylan Gabriel because of the path the rest of the way, but he has to win. Like if Dylan Gabriel does not win out and does not get into the playoff, I don't see a world where he wins the Heisman. I think what we're looking at today is like Michigan goes undefeated. JJ puts up good enough numbers doing it. Okay. J.J. McCarthy wins the Heisman. If that doesn't happen, either Michael Penix or Bo Nix wins the Heisman. If those teams win out and go to the playoff, win their conference, then one of those two wins it. If that doesn't happen and neither Oregon or Washington win the Pac-12, that's where you get Dylan Gabriel if Oklahoma goes undefeated, Jaden Daniels if LSU wins the SEC, Jordan Travis if Florida State goes undefeated. But I'm with you. I think J.J. probably is the leader in the clubhouse. I still don't know that he's the likeliest because I I think it comes down to the Pac-12 teams will have such an incredible resume. You will have had to slay multiple Dragons as a quarterback to win that conference. And if that team's a one-loss team... Oregon or Washington, Washington could be undefeated. How do you give it to anybody other than one of those two quarterbacks, Bo Nix or Michael Penix? Now here's, I want to ask you about the position player, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. If Ohio State wins the Big Ten, and you can point to it and say, yeah, the defense was great, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is the reason why that offense was able to win the Big Ten, how are you looking at Marvin Harrison Jr.? Did, I, for me, I think he gets the invite to New York. He can work himself into that conversation, but I don't know if he can really win it, even though I've been thoroughly impressed with what he's done this year. He's a machine, man. Like He's the only reason their offense goes. The problem is their offense doesn't really go. Like I think if you win the Big Ten and we can point to it and go, yeah, Marvin Harrison's the reason why because he was getting three or four touchdowns like a game. I mean, you go back and look at... Devontae Smith, the year he won the Heisman with Mac Jones, 23 touchdowns. Marvin Harrison has six right now. Like, it's not close. Marvin Harrison's on pace for, what, 11? Devontae Smith needed 23 to win it. Mm -hmm. So I just, I feel like he's a little too far behind unless they go nuts. 
and suddenly Marvin Harrison's catching, you know, two, three touchdowns a game. But then what happens? Does Kyle McCord get involved? I don't. I think we've seen how this year has sort of progressed for Kyle McCord. I don't think we see a Kyle McCord in the Heisman race. I mean, we've seen it with their eyes. A lot of these are game-breaking plays on the touchdowns that Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing a lot of yak work and has made guys miss. And some of the stuff that he does doesn't show up in the numbers, too, kind of like the the holding call from a week ago against Penn State. Like that's not something. Unfortunately, that that's a you have to use your eyes as the committee. You can't just box score watch. Well, and your point about the the yak and the creation. I mean that the dagger touchdown against Penn State. He caught the ball like a yard off the line of scrimmage and got eighteen more and just weaves just traffic, juking defenders. Right. Yeah, like so it is all him. And what's interesting is Abuka's so good. Can McCord get Abuka involved enough that he gets back into this conversation if the offense goes that way? I just don't think it's super likely for the offense to heat up enough that Marvin could actually win the award. I'm with you there. All right. When we come back here, we will make our picks and also get you ready for a parlay as well. It's all coming up on Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Now back to the show. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Time for the picks here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Last week, was not too kind to both you and I, Shay. Each of us three and five. We did both hit our parlay pick. We we actually we hit three or four last week. Yeah, we just decided there? to have a supplemental Cantu in there. What happened there? I have no idea. Cantu, you're not allowed to pick Oklahoma anymore. That's what happened. Jake, you're banned. First of all, Jake Jake's coming in high and mighty off of a Ranger victory. He's dressed like he's about to go to space today. I mean, we've got Neil Armstrong producing the show today. Alongside Buzz Aldrin. Oh, is he and, wearing that green jacket? No, no, the, no, 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 no. It's no, the no. black jacket with the NASA. Like, That's it's it. a bomber jacket, yep. yeah. This guy's about to hop in Apollo 11 after the show today. I mean, you just need your, like, oxygen tank headgear. And then you're, like, if we're doing headgear picks, Cantu's putting on the, the, the space head. You don't know what I'm doing this. after. What are you doing? After? I could go to space. You don't know that. You're not going to space. Yeah, we got Ranger Jake here. About, space Ranger pick. Jake. Um and he he spoiled the parlay last week, but we'll, we're back on the horse this week. He's yeah, banned. That's, why, that's why I'm back again to to get revenge. No, I do. It's revenge. Revenge. If you pick, pick today. Oklahoma today. You are. It's not, not an Oklahoma pick. I think you're going to hate it though. <laughs> okay, that's to come here. All right, Jake. What do we have for the picks this week? All right, let's start with number one, Georgia, uh, going uh, to. To Florida, minus 14-and-a-half, Georgia's getting. It's a neutral site game, Cantu. I'll help you out. They play in Jacksonville. It's the world's greatest world. outdoor cocktail party. Um, I'm going to take Georgia here. I- I've been strong on this all week. I think this is the Kentucky game all over again. A 14-and-a-half point spread most of the week, 14 this morning. But I, th- I just think Georgia goes out and blasts them. Everybody's betting Florida. If I can get the number one team in America as a non-public bet, I'll bet them. I'll take the dogs. Even with the injury to Brock Bowers, I'm, I'm going to roll with you here. I think I was leaning Kentucky earlier in the week, but the more I've looked into it, uh, or uh, Florida earlier in the week, but the more I've looked into it, I think this is going to be a Georgia game. 
All right, next we got uh, number six ranked Oklahoma visiting Lawrence uh, at Kansas. Oklahoma minus eight and a half. Justin Pottinger needs to be careful. Our typical producer on the college tailgate show may commit crimes in Lawrence, Kansas. He could be a menace to society. We do because have a, a Dr. Pottinger update, though. He did yeah, text us about uh, Jalen Daniels is dressed and could be available if needed after missing the last three games. What is this emergency quarterback deal? They're starting Jason Bean. Jason Bean's going to play. You are not putting in Jalen Daniels with a back injury unless things go so sideways you're never covering this number anyway. Oklahoma bounces back after the weird UCF game at home last week. I will take the Sooners. I think this could be a three-touchdown victory for Oklahoma. I'm rolling with the Sooners as well on the road. What's next, Cantu? Number eight, ranked Oregon, minus six and a half at number 13th, Utah. Uh, This is an easy one for me. Utah at home at night, you just can't bet against Kyle Whittingham. I love my Ducks. I don't think they go in and lose this game, but they're really public. I mean, everybody's betting Oregon, the cash and the money. Why is that number just sitting at six and a half? If everybody's on them, it should be moving seven, seven and a half. It's not. That's because you got to bet Utah. This is easy. Utah at home, easy. Go Utes. I'm on the other side of this game. I really do think Oregon dominates Utah in nearly every facet, both offensively and defensively. I'm rolling with the Ducks here. They've already had their kind of punch-in-the-mouth atmosphere game of the year. I don't think Utah at night is going to phase this Ducks team. Give me Oregon in the six and a half. Okay, next we go to number four ranked Florida State. They're getting minus 20 and a half at Wake today. Yeah, it's a lot of points to lay with Florida State. And I know everybody's talking about they only covered the Duke game because Riley Leonard died. But I think this Florida State team, we talked about it last week, Tyler. I don't think they're sleepy anymore. I think they know they have to take care of business. Wake Forest is terrible. They're starting uh, a third-string quarterback with a funny Italian name who probably shouldn't be on the field, but injuries have taken that point. And they had a huge, surprising last-second win over Pitt. I think you come down from that. It's hard to get up for this. Florida State bombs them. I'm on the other side. I think 20 and a half is a lot. Even though Florida State is going to start to play for some style points here down the stretch, I think they can win this game by 17, maybe even 20, and I still get the win with Wake Forest here. I'm on the dog here. Give me Wake Forest. Next, we got Clemson visiting North Carolina State. Clemson minus nine and a half. Uh, NC State earlier in the year was one of the worst offensive teams to watch that I have watched in my entire life. Two weeks ago, They made a change at quarterback, MJ Morris, a little more mobile. They have some more options offensively, and they put up yardage. They didn't score against Duke two weeks ago. They lost 24-3. Duke's defense is pretty good. They did put up 48 against Marshall. And on the flip side, Clemson, after the heartbreaking loss, the collapse against Miami, you got to go on the road for a, a rivalry game. It's a tough spot for me to be laying nine and a half. I'll take NC State. I'm with you on NC State there. The, uh, Clemson just feels like a dead team right now. I I don't know how inspired they really are for the rest of the season here. I mean, you're two and three in the conference right now. You lose outright to Miami last week. I, this Clemson team just doesn't feel like it's got any juice to it. I like NC State. I think they could even win this game outright. I agree. Tyler, Clemson doesn't just feel like a dead team. They kind of feel like a dead program. They, like that, it, Things might really be at the end there. Okay, we got uh, number ranked 20 Duke at number 18 Louisville, minus 6.5 Louisville. Louisville? 
Louisville. Louisville. That's uh, what I would, you know, like the locals say it. I cannot in good conscience take Duke as a dog here. I want to. I think they're the better football team in this game. But there's the chance that Riley Leonard cannot finish the game if he can even start it. And if you got to take a true freshman on the road to have a significant number of snaps at quarterback, look, I know Riley Leonard could play the entire game and I'm on the wrong side of this, but i got to go with the Cardinals. I'm actually going to take Duke. I think the defense is good enough against this Louisville team that really could keep them in this. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Don't be surprised if the point total ends up somewhere in the 30s, but like I could see a 17-14 Louisville win, maybe even like a 2014 Louisville win, and that keeps me inside 6.5. Give me Duke. All right, number 21, Tennessee getting minus 4.5 at Kentucky. Uh, I am actually going to go... This is crazy how many road teams are favored this week, Tyler. It just feels like across the board. Both in college and the NFL. Yeah, it's a lot of road favorites, and usually it just makes you take the home dog. I'm doing a lot of that in the NFL. I'm doing a lot less of it in college. I I feel like Tennessee, I'm flipping the pick. They're dead. I just thought about that second half in Bama again. The shutout, you had a 27 lead. You choked away a chance to drive a stake through Nick Saban and through Alabama. How do you get up for a road game at Kentucky? Kentucky can be explosive. They've looked worse lately. But I'm I'm clipping my nose, as Pottinger would say. I'm grabbing my balls, as Pottinger would say, and I'm taking the four and a half with Kentucky. Cough, cough. I am going to actually side with you on this one. I like Kentucky as well. I think Kentucky outright wins this game. They've been explosive all season long. They've had a couple hiccups with some tougher games, but Tennessee, I, like I'm, I agree wholeheartedly with you there. How, how are they going to get up after last weekend against Alabama? Give me Kentucky. And lastly, boys, we got number three, Ohio State at Wisconsin. Ohio State minus 14 and a half. This is the Big Ten version of Georgia laying 14 and a half at the world's greatest cocktail party against Florida. You've got Wisconsin, Madison, jump around, home game, Big Ten, primetime, NBC. What an environment. And you get the hook on 14. Boy, that feels easy. I'll lay it with the Buckeyes. I think the Buckeyes go in and absolutely slaughter this Wisconsin team that lost their quarterback that feels like they're just fighting to stay alive. I'll go the Bucks. I'm with you there. I think Ohio State covers this game. I know a lot of people do like uh, Wisconsin in this game, but... I think we're going to see a defensive touchdown in this game for Ohio State. When you slot a new quarterback in there with the injury to Tanner Mordecai, a lot of things not breaking Wisconsin's way. Uh, I'm with the Buckeyes here, minus 14 and a half. All right, when we come back, those are all of our picks. Uh, It was a tough week last week. We look to rebound this week. When we come back, though, we will dive into the CCT parlay. Let's pick a winner when we come back here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Let's craft our Chicago's College Tailgate Parlay as we dive into the numbers here and dive into the board. We have yet to hit one this year, but all it takes is one. All it takes is one, Shay, and we're back in the driver's seat. We get one of these, and it makes up for all of the losses. And we've been so close. We Thanks close a lot, Cantu. Yeah, You're we welcome. have our stoning of Jake Cantu in the town square right now. 
I, I tell you, you're, you're handing UCF, us Oklahoma. What, what are we doing? UCF seemed like an easy pick. Oh, or Oklahoma over UCF. And then I was sweating it out the whole time. Yeah, little did you know the uh, UCF quarterback was back, John Reese Plumley, And you went against that. Never again. Yeah, now you learned. Don't go against Gus Melzahn. And that's why we're not, we're not doing Plumley. an Oklahoma pick today. So we're changing. We're that shifting directions. That number has plummeted to now yeah. seven and a half. Yeah, that thing's dropping like a rock. <laughs> kind of interesting. All right, what do you like, Shay? Uh, I will kick us off. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to be the bad guy, and I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Seven and a half is just... <laughs> right. Dude. I do like it. I, I'll, I'll give you that. I do like it. Seven and a half, and I feel like this has to be related to the news that Jalen Daniels is going to be available. He's got an injured effing back. What are we doing? He's not healthy. Even if he gets in the game, he's not healthy. All they have with Jason Bean really is a triple option. I think Venables is ready for it. I think Oklahoma's in a bounce-back spot. The number is moving my direction. Seven and a half is low enough. I'll buy it. All right. For my pick, I am going to go to a battle in the SEC between Texas A&M and South Carolina. I like the under there. 51 and a half points. This is a game that, quite frankly, may not make it to 20 with the way that the defenses and offenses operate in this game. Under 51 and a half. Texas A&M unders have been pretty friendly as well, not just yeah, last year, but this year, too. Under 51 and a half. I was going to say it's a two-year run of A&M unders just being, like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right, into the producer's booth. Let's start with our space ranger, Jake Cantu. All right, boys, it's redemption time. We're going to go Deion Sanders in Colorado visiting UCLA. Uh, the total's at 60 and a half. I'm going the under, boys. All right. We're taking All the right. under. Uh, you know what? That offense uh, for UCLA is a little sketch, but that defense, that defensive front going against a weak offensive line of the uh, the Colorado, um, I, I just think, you know, it's just going to be a seesaw battle of the both offense and defense. You know, they have 24 sacks right now, I think around 24 sacks, and I think Chip Kelly will dial up something good. So we're going to take the under. It's not going to be very high scoring, especially uh, how that offense uh, for Colorado struggled going against uh, big, hard-nosed defenses. Jake spent all of the break saying on how much he hoped I'd hate his pick. Jake, I actually feel like that's very sharp. Great. I'm on board with that. Wow. That's a that's a that's you get a good the one. Shea Norling stamp of approval. When he went to Colorado UCLA, I thought he was going to make us take the buffs, and I would have vetoed immediately. I would. There's no chance that we're putting money on Colorado, even plus fifteen. The over would have been the most square play in history. He could only make me happy by going Bruins or under. And Jake, you pulled it's it off. redemption time, boys. Good work. All right, Jack McGrath, what do you like for us today? I'm liking USC bounce back game at Cal. Cal's three and four this year. USC really needs a win to get back on track. I think it's going to be a big Caleb Williams game. Uh, USC favored by 10 points in this one. I'll take them giving up the points here, USC. I don't mind that. A lot of people fear the early start out there. I believe they're kicking off at 1 p.m. local time. Yep. But I, I do think this could be a bounce back spot for USC because now Caleb's kind of playing for his draft life. To a degree. Oh, come on. He's going to be the number one pick of the uh, draft. We, there, there's there's Drake been, May There's been a lot of Drake May stuff over the last They're couple of weeks. And yeah, closing in between. Not that, not that Drake May impressed last yeah. week either. but great Looked great in that loss to Virginia. When you drop a game to Tony Elliott, forget about it. We'll, we'll, stick, with, uh, we'll stick with Caleb, number one overall for me. All right, so that all rounds out to plus 1,300. With a boost on Fandle, you can get it out 
to plus 1954. So this could be this could be the one, guys. This could be the one. I'm feeling good about it as well. All right. Um, one thing that I do want to get into, touche, it doesn't really mean a whole lot for me this week, but I think long-term it means something to both of us here. Texas is going to roll with Malik Murphy against BYU. Redshirt freshman quarterback, he's going to be the guy today uh, for the Longhorns in place of Quinn Ewers, who is out with that AC joint sprain at grade two. You may remember Derek Carr had an AC joint sprain earlier this year for the Saints and only missed a half, but I believe his was of a lower grade. That's why he didn't miss a full game out of it. And the looming question here is Arch Manning. Why is Arch Manning being held back? And I think part of it has to do with this may be a pretty serious injury. They're clearly preserving Arch Manning's red shirt, which quite frankly, I don't necessarily get for Texas preserving Arch Manning's red shirt. If the guy's as good as he's cut out to be, he's going to be gone after his junior year anyway. So why does it matter? Well, the interesting part here, too, is you can play four games and still qualify for a redshirt season. Mm-hmm. If they really think he's going to be around for a little bit, and remember, he's making a ton of money on the NIL. I agree. He probably leaves after his junior season regardless. But like today, Texas plays BYU. I know people listening probably aren't familiar with BYU, Tyler, but BYU is terrible. They're a very bad team this season. This is an opportunity, like 5-2, and two, I know the record says they're all right. If you watch the games, this team stinks. And I think this is an opportunity for like a low-risk evaluation for Texas. You put the other quarterback out there, see what he's got, and then you get into the kind of meat of the end of the year, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. If it doesn't go well today... Arch Manning can play those four games and keep his red shirt. I wonder if it says anything, though, about the length and severity of Quinn Ewer's injury. Do you feel like he's done for the season? I don't know if he's done for the season, but I I wouldn't rule it out. Listen, I don't want to play Cam Rising Mystery every week with Quinn Ewer's. They need to change that. You know what? This is a different conversation, but the NCAA needs to step in and change that. And look... I get not everybody loves how gambling has uh, gotten into their sports. If you're not a sports better, you might not be into it. But the whole deal where we don't get any reporting or word that you can play this shroud of mystery, whether a hurt kid's going to play or not, now that these guys are making money, NIL, that they can do endorsements, that you've gotten into bed with sports books, you, you got to change the rules a little bit. We need to know if players are going to play. The Cam Rising mystery thing was ridiculous. Yeah. All season playing some guessing game. We, like they're hiding him behind a curtain. There were rumors he was going to play the opener. Yeah. every week, Tyler, every single week it was, is Cam Rising going to play? When they went to Oregon State the morning of the game, it was a Friday night game, rainy, cold, in Corvallis. The morning of the game a rumor breaks. Cam Rising's returning tonight. And then he doesn't play. And then we finally get to Kyle Whittingham. He won't play this year, medical redshirt. And that was, what, two weeks ago we finally got that? I think it was this week. Was it this week? Okay. I actually don't know if it was official, but I think this week it was finally he's not playing this season. Yeah, it's gotten so far out of hand. Like, it's... It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But, okay, back to the Texas standpoint here. 
you you look at kind of what Texas has the rest of the way here schedule-wise. It's pretty sleepy to finish here. You're home against BYU today. You're home against Kansas State. Then you're on the road against TCU, on the road against Iowa State, and you wrap things up with Texas Tech at home. Like, I think a backup is still good enough to beat a lot of those teams, especially the way that we've seen the defense play for a majority of the year. I know they they kind of slipped up a little against Houston, made it a close game, but that maybe is more of an emotional cover for Houston than anything else there, just because of the fact that you knock the quarterback out and think you have a chance. But I, I I'm still skeptical of of can Texas go to the the Big Twelve championship game and beat Oklahoma because that's ultimately what you're looking at here as a Texas fan. I just was reading this quote from uh, Sark, too, about whether or not Arch will play this year. Uh, Quote, I do think there's some valuable experience for him in that, said Sarkeesian said of Manning potentially playing. Quote, but I have to make sure that's in the best interest of the team. What does that say about Arch? Does he just look like garbage in practice? Well, here's the interesting thing with Arch Manning, too, is that he was one of the, this is my favorite thing in college sports right now, too, the guys who graduate early. Like, (laughs) think about... Before we saw it happen in sports, the thought of graduating early meant you were some, like, super kid. Like, just the smartest genius on earth. And now we see every recruit in the nation who's in the top ten graduate early somehow. I don't get how, like, is every top ten recruit in the country just a genius? Like, is that what we're working with these days? We got Mensa members inside the top ten in all the recruiting rankings. We need the we need the uh, Quinn Ewers IQ test. Find out it's in the 200s. It's a scale that's never been seen before. Yeah, um, the, the blowing Arch, the senior high school year is something I like. The the Arch Manning. It, it's pretty much the the sitting out the bowl game to get ready for the draft. Except it's your <laughs> high school. You're getting a high school diploma with it. Um, <laughs> But but for, for Arch Manning here, like he's a guy who enrolled in the winter, and so he's, he has that leg up. He was there for all of the spring practices yep. and the spring game. You'd think he's, he's up to speed at this point. It's just it's, That's an interesting quote. That makes me wonder if Arch doesn't look too hot in practice. You would yeah. think it's the, same the thing. level of prospect, the name, the pedigree, all of that would play, but I wonder. It's the same thing we kind of think about Ty Simpson down at at uh, at Alabama too, and he clearly wasn't ready. And I'm not saying Sark's necessarily wrong here, but it's just it's really interesting. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. We'll be back with you on the Monday podcast. Shay and I will break everything down this week in college football. Peggy and Dion are coming up next here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago.